Uh, okay, that, you know that's a, that is a good point. Um, how just you see me looking down because my computer is actually down here, but I've got a high def cam. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I'm going to introduce you just quickly. I'll talk basic in basic terms about Accelerate South Carolina and what the hopes of the governor. I'll ask you, you know, a little bit about the response, protection, governance, resources, information. The makeup of that, you might want to talk about it just briefly, and then we'll be kind of off to the races. Okay, yeah. All right, so let me, I'm on my own here, by the way, switching all this, so I'm not so good at it. Um, and by the way, just off the record, don't think the Zoom stuff gives you a pass from coming up and being on our show in the studio. Oh, no, yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, maybe from time to time, but, you know, we're still, at some point, we hope to get back in the studio. Yeah. Okay, all right. Hello, I am Chris William, and I am the executive producer and moderator for uh, the uh, widely watched and long syndicated PBS series, Carolina Business Review, seen across the Carolinas on both ETV in South Carolina, UNC TV in North Carolina, and PBS Charlotte. And one of the guests on our program has been uh, a leader in South Carolina for a long time. He is the president, chief executive officer of the South Carolina Chamber of Commerce. He was the Chief of Staff for former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, and also served in the South Carolina House of Representatives in the early 2000s, joining us, uh, I think, safely now from his home office, is uh, that man, the President and CEO of the South Carolina Chamber, Ted Pitts. Ted, welcome, and you look healthy. Yeah, Chris, things are good, and trying to adjust working from home like others, so, um, you know, happy to be on the show. Uh, Ted, we're going we're gonna to take the next 10 or 15 minutes and, and talk to you a little bit about South Carolina was one of the first adopters of what re, a restart looks like. You are part of an almost 30-member commission that the governor set up called Accelerate South Carolina that has, and this is my term, Ted, has the specific uh, commission to reopen South Carolina. Uh, and first question, is that an accurate uh, depiction? And number two, what is the current state of reopening? Yeah, so, you know, first you have to look at the governor's orders. So government master, I believe, um, kind of shut South Carolina or slowed South Carolina down um, in the best manner. If you look at other, what other states have done across the country, you know, he identified some businesses, high-risk businesses, and he shut them down. Um, most other businesses were allowed to follow safety precautions and remain open. So as we look to reopen South Carolina's economy, you know, we don't have as much work to do as other states do, but the governor has created Accelerate SC, a task force that's given him recommendations and advising him on how we can get South Carolina's economy restarted because it definitely has slowed down. We're in a recession and we've got to make sure that, um, that we quickly get out of this. Ted, Ted, this is not going to be lost on you, and I'm sure you debated across the table or virtually across the table in Accelerate South Carolina's membership. How, how do you balance? What's the debate like? One-on-one, uh, uh, -on -one, small groups, when you're talking about balancing personal liberties and also the public health, what does that look like? And is there an answer, an easy answer to that question? So there's not an easy answer to the question. You know, um, we have members, obviously, that don't think anything should have been shut down, um, but we have a large segment of our membership that thinks you know, we've got to make sure that, that we get control of the pandemic, which I believe we have, and, um, and we've got to follow safety guidelines. So, you know, ultimately, when you look at, at personal liberties, 
you know, there are some things that we have to do temporarily to keep folks safe. And I think in South Carolina, um, our citizens have done that. And that's why the curve's been flattened and our hospitals, you know, actually are looking for customers, not overwhelmed with COVID patients. So, you know, there is a balance there. And I think Governor McMaster has, has taken that balance. You know, we close schools for the rest of the year. So my three children are, are e-learning or learning from home. Um, that was the prudent thing to do. But I will tell you, our kids need to be in schools when school starts back in the fall. And we have to find a way to safely do that. Um, just like we have to find a way to safely get workers back into their place of work and business um, humming along again. When you look at the carnage in the hospitality industry, specifically in restaurants, in lodging, in some of the lodging now short term has been open to some degree, but when you look at how, how that whole industry, in, in my term, eviscerated, what's the sensitivity for specifically looking at that business that makes up a good part of tourism, which is a big part of South Carolina's uh, general revenue? Um, how do you address that? How do you make sure, again, back to the idea of being safe, but also giving those entrepreneurs in that industry the opportunity to make money and to get back on their feet? Well, a big piece of South Carolina's economy is hospitality and tourism, and it has been hit the hardest of any industry. So when you look at our unemployment numbers, a vast, you know, a lot of those folks are actually out of that industry. And so I think we're hopeful as the summer, as things start to return to some sense of normalcy or the new normal, um, that, that folks probably are looking for drive destinations. We're hoping that South Carolina is at the top of that list and Dwayne Parrish at PRT and our the regional partners are working to try to position South Carolina in that in that light with folks looking for places to go to the beach so or the mountains. So ultimately, um, it's been hit really hard. The restaurant industry, specifically across this country, has been has been hit really hard, decimated in some cases. So we've got to find ways to to reopen them up. And Government Master this past week um, issued an order that allows for. Um, dining, outside dining to take place. And we're in the process of looking to, you know, some limited inside dining to take place. But, you know, restaurateurs, they understand safety more than anybody. They've had to live with it, you know, their entire business career. So health and safety um, inspectors, they're used to that. So, you know, I have confidence that the restaurant industry will be able to, um, to get back and make folks feel comfortable to come in and dine. You know, and I, you know, I would encourage everybody like folks have done is, is, you know, uh, get takeout or buy a gift certificate from your local restaurant to try to help them get started. Um, and, you know, many of them applied for the PPP loans and, and hopefully um, receive those, but hopefully that, that will allow them to bridge this time and get back to operations soon. Ted, Ted do you, do you think when you, when you go through the idea of this reopening, and you look along the Grand Strand, and let, let me single out Myrtle Beach and the Grand Strand particularly, because they have announced that they are open for business in, and they're doing it in an orderly way. But still, when you, when you hear that, when you see that, is that cringeworthy that you think about Myrtle Beach, Sullivan's Island, Charleston counties, any of the beaches that tend to be overpopulated, and there will be this rush of people that want to get back to normal. Is that something that could be a real risk? So, you know, I think if, you, if you're following CDC guidelines and you're outside, um, you know, there obviously is a concern, but I think ultimately folks have to use common sense. And, you know, you talked about personal liberties, you know, the, in a lot of cases, the government can't protect us from ourselves. So, 
we've got to clearly communicate guidelines to businesses and South Carolinians, and they've got to follow those guidelines. And if they don't, then we're going to have problems. So, you know, government has to um, communicate clearly what, you know, best practices are and, and what folks should and shouldn't do. And then people have to use common sense and follow those guidelines. Do you feel like the governor or the state will have enough teeth in enforcement to hold people uh, accountable to stick to the guidelines? So, you know, in some cases, you know, you know, folks will, will maybe fight those guidelines, but I think local governments and neighbors, quite frankly, your fellow citizens, um, you know, we've got to come together and do it. So will government be able to enforce every guideline? No, um, they can't enforce every law um, that's on the books. Don't have the manpower, you know, or there's really not a risk there. But I do think um, people holding each other, your neighbors accountable and, um, and looking out, you know, when you wear a mask, that mask isn't for you. It's for the people that you're around. So looking out for others, you know, we've got to have common sense and then we have to have folks um, look out for their neighbors. Two dynamics that come up, Ted, is the idea that uh, there is some type of government help for folks that are unemployed. How do you, how do you pivot? How, to, to use a term that's already overused, how do you pivot from the idea that there is some type of non-motivation for people to go back to work if they have an unemployment, I'm going to just call it an unemployment benefit or a COVID-19 related unemployment benefit. That's the first thing. And then the other dynamic in there is the working poor or the low income that have been disproportionately hit by this, this illness. Yeah. So two things, the first, the unemployment piece. So everybody knows that Congress passed a bill that um, provides an extra $600 a week on top of the state benefit. So in a lot of cases, um, folks that have been furloughed and the, the chamber, we just recently did a survey. That chamber survey said, you know, of the almost 5,000 businesses that responded, 40% of them have already furloughed or laid off employees. So those employees through the end of July, not only get the state unemployment benefit, but they also get the federal COVID benefit, which is a, it equals about $1,000 a week. So there are companies that, um, you know, that say we pay $15 an hour and you're making $21 an hour on unemployment benefit. Why are you going to come back to work? You know, well, the uh, South Carolina Department of Employment and Workforce has a form that you fill out. If you have called a employee back to work and they refuse, you fill out the form and they get their benefits terminated. But we know that in some cases, employers say, hey, I really need them to come back on August 1st. So I don't want to get in a conflict with them over this. So I'm just going to wait. We know that's a problem. And Senator Lindsey Graham and Tim Scott both um, talk about it frequently. They were at an Accelerate SC meeting and talked about it there. It's a problem and we've, it expires at the end of July and we need for that benefit, which was intended to make people whole, we need for it to not make people more than whole, which it currently does. So it's an issue and, and ultimately something that, that Congress will have to address. And you know, the reality is it's in place through the end of July and we'll have to deal with it. And then after that, you know, hopefully businesses will start up. I, I mentioned the 40% that said they had already furloughed folks or laid people off. Of those, of that 40%, 43% of that group that's already furloughed or laid people off had said they, they don't plan on bringing it back 100% of their employees back within the next three months. So, you know, when you talk, hear people talk about us getting out of this thing, you know, quick, it's a V-shaped recovery. Um, it doesn't look like this is going to be a V-shaped recovery. And I think our employment, unemployment roles will continue to be um, 
to have more folks on them, obviously, than before this hit us when we were at record lows. And that's something that policymakers have to look at and, and something we're going to have to live with. What, what are the final question, Ted? And I know uh, you've got plenty of meetings stacked up, even though it, whether they're video or on the phone, so I'll let you go. But the, one of the long simmering debates in the Carolinas has been because there is a lot of rural community uh, worker and also rural community life, that broadband access has been debated in the state house for a long time. Does this now make legislators much more sympathetic about fully funding whatever a broadband initiative looks like? And would you expect that the backbone of this rural connectivity would be realized this year? Yeah, so that's um, that's been the really kind of the biggest thing that I've heard folks talk about that's come out of this. When you look at telehealth or telemedicine, when you look at education, kids e-learning, um, when you look at work from home opportunities, you know, I think um, broadband is the thing that folks are talking about. And it's been, you know, Congressman Clyburn in D.C. has it's been a long passion of his. And now you're hearing Tim Scott, Senator Scott and others talking about it. Um, you know, I think it's there's going to be funding on the federal level. It's, it's infrastructure. There's going to be funding on the federal level. We wrote a letter to the federal delegation saying if you're going to pass an infrastructure bill, rural broadband should be on that list. And on the state level, you know, at our last Accelerate SC committee meeting, you know, Governor Master, uh, former Senator Greg Ryberg, leading a, a group that, that is going to figure out how to spend the pot of money that the state gets related to COVID. And that's something that there, a lot of conversation has occurred around. And then, you know, obviously Senator Alexander and um, Senator Tom Davis and many others, you know, on the state level have been talking about how do we do this. We have an opportunity. So this... Um, situation we're in, there are opportunities, and I think rural broadband is one of those that will get addressed um, mm -hmm. as they look to provide solutions. Ted, thanks for taking the time. Hope you continue to stay safe, and uh, best of luck on Accelerate SC, and thanks for your leadership. Nope, and I look forward to being back in the studio with you soon.